Welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Daryl Grove and sitting across the table from me, it's Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, my friend. And today we are here to talk Pele. I've heard of him. I imagine you have because he's one of the best players of all time, unless you're Diego Maradona, in which case you don't rate him. Uh, But what is it about him that makes him so special? Why do people who maybe don't know much else about soccer or really anything about soccer, they know that name Pele? Yeah, my my wife's father knows the name Pele, probably couldn't name another soccer player. That sounds about right. And so while other players from the 50s, 60s, 70s have maybe faded from our memories a little bit, Pele kind of stays front and center in our collective soccer minds. I mean, Uh, you you said that. I've got a our poster. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So we've done the research. We've watched the footage. Uh, we're now here to determine why exactly he is so special, why he stays in our minds to this day. Okay. So we're just going to trade back and forth. I think like, so. Our reasons why we think Pele, basically why is Pele such a big deal? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Would you like to, I feel like you've done more research than me. I'm looking across the table, your notes, there are more bullet points than I have bullet points. There's a lot of bullet points. So why don't you go first so that you can get some of yours done? Sure. I'll start off with, and I think what we're striving to do here is maybe not tell like the history of Pele. We're not oh, doing no, no, a biography. No, no. We're not going to say he was born here and then he had this for breakfast. No, no, we're not. And I'll also say this will come up a lot in mind, but a quick disclaimer is that like we're also – I at least was trying to kind of remove some of the mythology from Pele because yeah. with him there is so much storytelling uh-huh. that it's difficult at times to figure out what exactly is true, uh-huh. what exactly is myth. Some of the storytelling comes from Pele himself. It, does but one of the things he definitely did not make up was that brazil won the 1958 world cup and that's where i want to start uh because it was the first time they ever won the world cup and that's a very important thing to remember uh there's a great quote from author armando negera who said the first championship is like a first kiss one never forgets he also added there's a certain aura a certain mysticism about that first victory and i think that is very true and that pertains to pele as well his first world cup as a 17 year old to become this like front and center story of this youngster who came through, didn't start, ended up starting, ended up scoring, ended up becoming this pivotal figure Mm -hmm. that he played such an important role in Brazil winning their first World Cup, I think is why he stays, like, or at least initially is connected to the brilliance of Brazil. And then I I kind of joked about uh, Vava Uh um, at the top of this show. I think he scored more goals than Pelé at Mm -hmm. that tournament, but Pelé scored more memorable mm-hmm. goals, right? So there's there's what he did for Brazil. But then if you think that uh, TV stuff was kind of beginning um, in the 50s, I'm sure we'll get more into media and how mm-hmm. that relates later. But Pelé scored two incredible goals in that World Cup yep. final. You know, the one where he chests the ball, then he lifts it over a defender's head, then he takes it on the volley on the other side. Imagine seeing that all around the world and you're some guy in England in 1958 watching like you know the brief footage of the 1958 World Cup final. You immediately will be like, Who's that guy? Yeah. I'm going to remember him. And, and and that's worth noting that, yeah, 58 was the first, I think, like international television coverage of a World Cup. That probably factors into it, too. Yeah. And it's also when we get, by all accounts, our in, like our modern understanding of Brazilian soccer, it starts with this 1958 team. So it's lively, talented, energetic, enthusiastic, fun, skillful, mm-hmm. but goal scoring. All of it goes back to that 4-2-4, but all of it also goes back to Pele. Oh, okay. I've also, I've got a similar note about mm-hmm. 1958. My note is, uh, my reason that he endures so much, maybe especially in Brazil, is in 1958, he redeemed Brazil. Yep. Because if you don't know your Brazilian soccer history, 
1950, when Pelé was just a wee lad, mm-hmm. um, if he was Scottish, um, <laughs> there was the famous, uh, what's it called? The, the Maracanao? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the agony of the Maracana. Yeah, you've got that. I think you've got the unfortunate final uh, yeah. as well as another one. So what happened is it wasn't actually a World Cup final, right? Because mm-hmm. the 1950 World Cup final was in a weird group stage yep. format. But the final stage, group stage game was Brazil versus Uruguay, Uruguay at the Maracana, which is a famous Brazilian stadium. All Brazil had to do was draw, and they were world champions for the first time. Brazil lost. And it was this national disaster. It's very similar to the 7-1 defeat mm-hmm. to Germany in many ways. This is, and then eight years later, this teenage Pelé is leading the charge yeah. as Brazil actually win the World Cup and redeem what happened in 1950. I want to get into that self-mythologizing thing as well, because sure. I've seen Pelé tell the story of watching his father watch the 1950 yep. World Cup final. His father start crying and Pelé mm. say to his dad, I think he was, what, say nine or ten years old? Yeah. And he said, don't worry, dad, I'm going to win the World Cup for Brazil. Yes. And Tr- truth or Pelé self-mythology? I mean, it, I feel like it can be both, which okay. is that I feel like any uh, child who, if if their father's crying because his favorite football team, American football team, has just lost the Super Bowl, uh-huh. that child who's six might say, like, don't worry, one day I'll win you the Super Bowl. <laughs> and little kids make lots of claims. And he might also yeah. have said, one day I'm going to be the lead singer for the Beatles. That seems uh-huh. less likely. But, like, <laughs> you maybe you remember those because of what happens later on in life. So yeah. he may well have said that, but I doubt it was this, like, clarifying incident of I'm going to go out and play every single day and I will one day become victorious and it was his life's ambition it was probably like yeah don't worry we'll probably win it someday (laughs) all right we're not going uh chronological we're not but I would like to stick with 58 one more time if you don't mind all right you go first well I would say I think the other thing that stands out going back to actually 1950 is the role that kind of race has played in Brazilian soccer or played at least in the moment that that 1950 failure uh you had two black players uh specifically the goalkeeper Barbosa who was blamed for that one. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just, oh, the goalkeeper made some mistakes. It was more so like racially motivated criticism of a black player. Yep. And that stuck with the team and kind of stuck with Brazil's identity because if you look at Brazil historically, I think part of Pele's story is connected to race and society in Brazil. The last, the last South American country to outlaw slavery, Pele, I believe, was only three generations removed from slaves. Uh, his parents, or great-grandparents, I guess it would be, were mm-hmm. slaves. So I think... You have to con- like consider that when then you go to 1958 and here is this 17-year-old black teenager who's crying after winning the World Cup and he became this kind of figure to Brazil yeah. and to the world as a whole. And then he becomes the face of the team as yeah. they win the 62 World Cup. Yep. Um, they don't win the 66 World Cup, but then they famously win the 1970 World Cup and Pelé's the face of the team each and every time. I guess we'll talk more about those well, tournaments we later. Can, we can say this now though. I would say that like it is a strange thing and I promise this is not me just trying to be this like revisionist history person but you're right he's the face of the team and yet for 58 as you said there's people who score more goals 62 he gets injured by all accounts that's Garinch's team that mm-hmm. wins that World Cup 66 he gets kicked he gets injured he gets they kicked, don't win kicked out of the tournament yeah. but in a literal sense not in a uh, the administrative yeah. sense yeah and so in 1970 it's this team that like comes together and congeals and is one of the best Brazil teams ever if not best teams ever of all time mm-hmm. but again it's not like necessarily Pele carries this team and scores 40 goals in the tournament and everybody else is just kind of hanging on yeah. it is he's surrounded by very good players mm-hmm. but you're right he remains the face of those teams and I think part of the reason this connects to my next reason why Pele is so well known is that he was very famous very fast 
very young. Yep. Right. So we mentioned 1958 World Cup. He's 17. He'd only made his debut for his uh, Brazilian team Santos. What the season before? Yeah. So 1957, he like you know gets his debut season. 1958, he scores a ton of goals. I think he scores 80 goals across all competitions plus exhibitions for Santos. Unless you ask Pele, in which case he scored uh, 6,000. <laughs> well, I think Pele would say that the the ones in friendlies were official. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then 1958, <laughs> he's famously winning the World Cup, mm-hmm. and then he's famous for another. 20-something years beyond, literally 20 years beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. He's a famous soccer player. So it's almost like there was no build-up to Pelé's career, right? There was no, like, um, you know, a lot of players maybe get their debut at, like, yeah. 18, 19, 20 and don't get famous globally till they're, like, 23. Mm-hmm. Pelé was straight to the top of the charts yeah. in 1958 and stayed there for 20 years. He did. That's why he has such name recognition. So uh, I want to see this then. Like, how much of his time at Santos do you think factors into that sort of exploding onto the spotlight and then staying there for a good long while? Because I feel like Santos also are a, bi- a big part of what makes Pele Pele today. Why do you think Santos is a big part of what makes Pele Pele? <laughs> I mean, that's a genuine question. I don't sure. know the answer to that question. So he plays for Santos for 18 years. In that time, 24 major trophies, two Copa Lib uh, titles. That's decent. Yep. But Copa the- Libertadores is the Champions League essentially of South America, for those who don't know. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Um, but because of that kind of attacking formation that we talked about with 1958. 4-2-4. It became this thing that people wanted to see. And so they wanted to see this Brazilian goal scoring machine. Santos became a part of that. So you have Santos almost as a like like ambassadors for Brazil going around the world, yeah. playing this incredibly exciting soccer, playing all these different friendlies. Pele is there. So he's traveling to countries all over Europe and wherever else in the world. And so people that might not otherwise be exposed to a Brazilian national team or a Brazilian club team, let alone, are suddenly watching this team score a bunch of goals against their local team. And Pele is right there doing a lot of it. Yeah. So it's almost like he went on this tour to be an ambassador for Brazilian soccer, but in a lot of ways became an ambassador for Pele. Yeah, I, I get that. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I, but I also think maybe one of the reasons that uh, his time at Santos is so key to Pele's massive, massive fame is that he was able to score a lot of goals for Santos Yes, because of the way Brazilian soccer was structured um, during that time. Let's talk right? about so it. during his career, they do create the National League, right? But for the first few years... There, and, and as part of the season going forward, there is the state championship, mm-hmm. the Sao Paulo state championship, right? Which is very competitive. It still is very competitive, but there are also some not so good teams in there as well, right? Yes. So he's able to stay in that league and essentially, and I, this sounds disrespectful when I say it, but pad his numbers because mm-hmm. he can rack up a lot, a lot of goals in the Sao Paulo state championship, right? So, and especially if you're then someone else around the world, you maybe don't get to see too much footage of Pele. Mm-hmm. But you can see the numbers. You yep. can see him scoring just tens and tens of goals every single season. And compounding that, because you're absolutely right when it comes to like the Brazilian t- uh, opposition he was playing. Uh, Jonathan Liu, uh, L-I-E-W, uh, I'm taking this quote from him. Uh, Pele played more than 100 games in 1959, including 15 in three weeks on a tour of Europe. By the early 1960s, he was regularly playing three times a week with extensive traveling in between. Mm-hmm. So not only is he beating up on teams in Brazil, he's playing <laughs> these exhibition games against maybe some comparable quality teams, but a lot of lower level teams are not as good. And especially in an exhibition, maybe they're not quite as focused on defense as they might be otherwise. Yeah. So he's able to play all these games, get all this exposure, get all these minutes and get, most importantly, all those goals. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, we I don't want to do play a disservice by just talking about numbers. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the player. Sure. So as part of researching for this episode, I've watched a lot of, you know, Pele playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what strikes me the most is that he genuinely has everything. Absolutely. Right? I don't want to get into like hyperbole, but two-footed, fast, 
balance, right? People could not knock him over. He has a lot of feints and stops and stepovers, right? So he can, he's very hard to catch, essentially, because he's got some, some good tricks and changes of direction that are really hard for defenders to, to compete with. But then powerful, accurate yeah. shooting. I am in awe of the striking of the ball that we've seen from Pele. The mm-hmm. 1958 World Cup final goal I talk about, where he lifts it over the um, Swedish defender's head, but then hits it as it comes down. It is so accurate and so perfect and so fast and powerful into the corner. That's one example of what Pele could do. Yeah, and if you want further examples, uh, there's a great YouTube video. Uh, Pele, he did it 50 years ago. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this one. No. Um, but it basically cuts between modern players doing modern moves that we kind of identify with them. So it's Ronaldo doing like the roll and then step over and then step over again. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts to Pele doing that. And it cuts to Pele doing all of the many moves. The one that stood out most memorably to me was the, you know, the, I think you hate it, but it's like the Neymar move where he'll kind of just stand upright with the ball in front of him and the defender in front of him and he'll just wait for the defender to do something. It depends on the situation, but yeah. yeah. Pele definitely did that. Ah. You can see that clip too. But <laughs> So to see all of these modern players doing it, to see that Pele did it in the 50s and 60s, but also then to remember the equipment and materials he was uh, utilizing in that moment, how heavy that ball probably was, if there was even like a tiny amount of water around, yeah, yeah. it makes it that much more impressive, not just what he can do with the ball, but what he gets the ball to do. To your point, the power behind those strikes yep. for what had to be a very heavy and uncomfortable soccer ball. Ooh, and can, can you imagine being on the receiving end of one of those nope. if, uh, if you're a goalkeeper? Um, then the other thing is, like, obviously he gets a lot of goals because he has kind of a pottery instinct mm-hmm. as well, right? So he probably could have just been a goal hanger and scored scored a bunch of goals but he also throughout his career like say 1970 I think he plays a little he can come a little deeper and connect play uh, the 1970 goal mm-hmm. that Carlos Alberto scores yep. is Pele just receiving the ball and cleverly laying it laying it off to him so it's a little bit like he can basically do a little bit of everything attacking even weirdly win a bunch of balls in the air for a fight a man who's five foot eight I mean, that's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And I've got some more stuff to say about his physical Let's attributes as well as his technical ability. But first, I feel like maybe we should take a break to talk about today's sponsor. Today's Soccer 101 is sponsored by Postmates. Pele always delivered. <laughs> Postmates delivered too. You beat me to it. I had my own Pele joke about how he would like <laughs> deliver the ball into the net. And he didn't even need an app to do it. Yours is better. Postmates will deliver food drinks, Mm -hmm. anything you want, anything that can be bought from a store, pretty much. Postmates will deliver it to you. And the key thing there, you don't even need to know where the store is, which is very nice because, like, do you ever do, well, you don't because you don't drive, but, like, I'll do that thing where I know I want food, and so I'll look at, like, I'm on the highway, like, I'm looking at my route home, there's not much on the way, like, I guess there's this place nearby, and you sort of have to do the geography math, almost. Oh, wow. with Postmates, you just click, 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 and it's delivered (laughs) right to your door. You don't even have to know where things are. You really do click, click, click. If you download the app, which you can get for free for Mm -hmm. iOS or Android, uh, once you open it up, you can browse all kinds of local food establishments. <laughs> you bros- I was trying to think of a synonym for restaurants. You can browse local restaurants. Uh, or businesses, yeah. uh, if you're getting like, the goods delivered. Uh, simply download the app for iOS or Android for free. Once you make your delivery, you can track it in real time. It shows yeah. up at your door. You just take the thing, go back inside. No money, no anything like that. I mean, obviously, you have to pay for it, but not in person, which is a nice... Uh, you don't even have to do the awkward, like, uh, do I tip $2 in cash? I don't know what to do here. Do I do $4? Don't even have to worry about that. And uh, which days of the year is this unavailable? 
I think just like every other one, right? <laughs> no, it's every day. Twenty four seven, three sixty five, and three sixty six on Leap Year. If you've done a terrible job in your Christmas preparations, and people in your house really <laughs> like food, you can have that delivered on Christmas Day and be like, "I totally planned it all out." <laughs> Wouldn't that be a giveaway that you did last minute that nah. Postmates are delivering the Christmas presents? Don't give away the secrets, Daryl. People don't need <laughs> to know that. They just need to know that Postmates can provide that service. Let's hope your extended family doesn't listen to this ad. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> then they'll know. Uh oh. Then they'll know. Um, so once you've downloaded the. <laughs> When they get a lot of stuff from CVS in their stockings, they'll know. <laughs> oh, from the as seen on TV aisle. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. Taylor. My wife would love that, by the way. Or from the last season's discount items from CVS, which is always a plus. Star Wars The Force yeah, Awakens. Exactly. <laughs> For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit that you can use within the first seven days. To start getting those free deliveries, mm-hmm. you just download the app, use the code Soccer. Mm, that's code soccer for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. So if this episode has put you in the mood for like Brazilian fare, you can look <laughs> on Postmates, see if you've got a restaurant in the area. If you do, they will deliver it to you because anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. <laughs> All right. So Postmates, a great sponsor on today's show. Mm-hmm. We very much appreciate them. Thank you very much to Postmates for sponsoring this episode of Soccer 101. I want to go back to Pele's physical attributes because, as you said, he is, he is not this like six foot two giant no. you would expect to win everything. He's five foot eight. Right. Uh, there was a New York Times article when he first signed He's for the Cosmos. probably smaller now as he gets older. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, there's a New York Times article uh, when he first signed for the Cosmos that like, kind of doctors ran him through a series of medical tests. Again, I think this may have been sponsored by Pepsi, so big old grand assault there. <laughs> um, but uh, what they found was that his beats per minute while training in his, uh, his heart, not his beats by Dre, uh, were 56 to 58. Uh, beats per minute. The norm is 90 to 95 when you're training. Uh, his peripheral vision was 30% greater than a normal athlete's. He also had greater aerobic uh, capacity, which meant he could recover faster. But the big one, to your point about winning the aerial challenges, was that like I think it was the way his muscles had formed. Uh, part of that was because of his feet, that he had like very strong heel bones, so they kept him flatter, which meant he could accelerate faster. But he kind of had... sounds like some Pepsi science. It does. But the thing <laughs> that I think does, I do kind of believe, is he has that Ronaldo ability to hang in the air that basically because he could jump higher he could stay in the air longer and if you go back and look at some of the clips of him winning headers his the like center back who he's out jumping jumps at the exact same time but that center back comes down while Pele is either still rising or still hanging in the air and thus winning that header lifted towards the heavens just a little bit longer than everybody else Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) excuse me the flat feet uh, or parallel feet and strong bone uh, in the heel were natural shock absorbers is what (laughs) the New York Times uh, wrote in the 70s I want to talk about Pelé in Europe. Sure. Okay, so one of the reasons I think uh, Pelé is so revered is... Don't worry, listener, I did get to talk about Pelé in Europe. We also talked about Pelé in the US and many other Pelé topics, including whether or not Brazil's government really declared the man an unexportable national treasure. But to hear that, you'll need to listen to the full episode over on Soccer 101. What is Soccer 101? I hear you ask, maybe. It's our other show, launched less than a month ago, and it's full of great evergreen episodes like the rest of this one. Um, There's also a How to Watch a Game for Tactics explainer, a history of the Penenka penalty, a deep examination of why it's okay to say soccer, and plenty, plenty more. And of course, we want you to listen to it, which is why we dropped this teaser episode into the Total Soccer Show feed. So, please... Do us a favor, 
Join the other TSS listeners who've supported our new project and take whatever app you're listening on right now, search for Soccer 101, that's Soccer 101, and then get listening. It's actually key to the future of TSS as we attempt to grow not just the original show, but our other projects beyond that. As ever, thank you for taking the time to listen to this show today and an extra thank you if you go and subscribe to Soccer 101.